We're glad to have you with us again tonight. We can't, I guess, uh, we know cannot be at church because of uh, what's happening with uh, the COVID-19 virus, but we're glad that we can share in what we were studying in 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and I think this is a real rich passage uh, again tonight that we're studying. I think uh, Paul is addressing those people there at Corinth. For those who haven't been with us, we know that Corinth was corruptible and immoral. It had a lot of division. It had, had a lot of sin there in that place. Uh, but Paul is addressing them uh, here in 1 Corinthians. And then uh, we're moving on tonight to 2 Corinthians. And if you have your Bible with you, if you turn with me to 2 Corinthians 3, we'll begin in verse 1 and read together. Paul says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such confidence we have through Jesus Christ, our God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence, it comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills but the Spirit gives life. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time tonight. Enlighten us. Help us, Lord, to see these scriptures as they not only spoke to those people, but as they speak to us, our people today, and us as individuals. We pray, Lord, that as we seek to know more about you and to live more fully for you, that these scriptures would be the Spirit speaking in our hearts today. And we're grateful for your many blessings. For us in the name of Christ, we make this prayer. Amen. William Barclay points out in his commentary that on this passage, there was a common practice in the day and age in which Paul was living of sending letters of recommendations for a person who was traveling to a strange or unknown place to ensure their reputation or even their safety sometimes, these letters were trusted by a true friend and they would testify to a person's character. It was sometimes difficult, however, to determine whether or not uh, a person uh, was sincere in what they were doing or merely having flattery or worse, even forgery. Uh, the same is true today. We know that we have letters of recommendation all the time. Uh, there are people who are asking for letters of recommendation to go to college or for a particular job or for some kind of appointment. People are asking oftentimes, I, I oftentimes write those on behalf of church members or people that I have known in my past. If you don't know someone, you look for a letter of recommendation. You look to hear what they've got to say about that person. Uh, there's a true story recorded in that popular book, uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul. It's about a man who wrote a letter to a small hotel in the Midwest. He planned to stay there on his vacation and wrote this letter uh, to the owner of the hotel. 
He said, I'd very much like to bring my dog with me. He's well-groomed and very well-behaved. Would you be willing to permit me to keep him in my room at night? An immediate reply came back from the hotel owner who wrote, I've been operating this hotel for many, many years. In all my time, I've never had a dog steal towels, beds, clothes, silverware, or a picture off the wall. I've never had to evict a dog in the middle of the night for being drunk or disorderly. I've never had a dog run out on a hotel bill. And yes, indeed, your dog is welcome at my hotel. And if your dog is willing to vouch for you, you are welcome to stay here too. What a surprise. Here this man assumed all along that the dog was the problem, uh, that he would have to vouch for the dog. What a turn of events to find out that the dog was fine. There was nothing wrong with the dog. It was just the opposite. The man was the problem. Uh, the hotel owner had had problems in the past with some of the people who had stayed there, and he'd had to ask them to leave from time to time. Here in this passage, we find that the art of salesmanship was alive and well in first century Corinth. Long before the invention of what we would term a resume today, there existed a practice of credentialing uh, known as letters of recommendation for people who would go around and speaking. And in order uh, to find an itinerant preacher, teacher, philosopher to gain wide acceptance and thus an audience, they would oftentimes have to have somebody to acknowledge that they knew this person and that this person was worthy to be heard. A lot of times, these itinerant preachers and teachers who were going around, uh, people did not know who they were, and so they were setting up sometimes a new ministry and a new place, and they needed somebody to vouch for them. And so therefore, they would have these introductory letters that would go with them. Paul provided letters of reference for many people uh, who was doing mission work in those days along with him, and he sent high recommendations. But Paul is saying here that there's something even better and larger uh, than writing these letters of recommendation, and that is those letters that are written on our heart, uh, the way that we live. Now, in the ancient world, as nowadays, sometimes testimonials didn't mean very much. A man who once asked Diogenes, who was a cynic philosopher, for a letter Diogenes responded by saying uh, that you are a man he will know at a glance, but whether you're a good man or a bad man, he will not know that unless you have the skills to be able to discern and discover the facts as they see you time to time. So it is we find oftentimes uh, that those people in those days were taken advantage of. He said, the simple-minded Christians oftentimes were imposed upon. In the previous sentences of Paul's letter, it seemed to give a testimonial. He declares that he has no need to have a recommendation. Uh, then he takes a side glance of those who have been causing trouble in Corinth. There may be some, he says, who brought your letters of recommendation or who have got them from you. In all probability, uh, there was people who were requesting letters from him because they didn't like him, and maybe they were trying to set up a situation in which Paul 
would no longer be working in their area, uh, maybe as a missionary. There is a great truth here, though, and we find this as an inspiration and an awful warning. Every man and every woman is an open book, uh, an open letter for who Jesus Christ is. Every Christian, whether they like it or not, is an advertisement for Christianity. The honor of Christ is in the hands of the followers. You know, we judge a shopkeeper by the kind of goods that that person sells. We judge a craftsman by the kind of articles that they're able to produce. We judge a church by the kind of men or women that it creates, and therefore we judge Christ by its followers. Dick Shepard said some time ago, as he was out speaking in open air to people about their faith, he made this statement. The greatest handicap the church has is the unsatisfactory lives of professing Christians. When we go out into a world, we have an all-inspiring responsibility of being that open letter, advertisement, so it is for Christ and the church. We find here in 2 Corinthians 3, uh, verses 4 through 11, that Paul is talking about their surpassing glory. You know, in the ancient world, as nowadays, sometimes uh, we find that uh, we need something to say to people about what kind of uh, folks we really are to justify our character. Uh, but we find as he moves into this second part, he deals with the contrast between the old and the new covenant. A covenant means an arrangement between <coughs> two people or two parties uh, that would entertain the same kind of relationship. Oftentimes, even nowadays, uh, pastors and staff people come up with what they call a church covenant. Both of them sign that, agreeing upon the details of that person coming along. Uh, but we find here uh, the biblical usage is not just an ordinary agreement on equal terms, but the biblical sense of the covenant. It is God who is the prime mover in this covenant. As God approaches us and we have a personal relationship with him, the conditions are different, and it's not upon accepting or rejecting. But the word Paul uses for new when he speaks of this new covenant is the name uh, that we find uh, in the Greek that says neos, which means new in point of time and that alone. A young person is neos, becomes a newcomer into the world. But then secondly, he talks about chaos, which is, means not only new in point of time, but also he's talking about new in quality. If something is chaos, it has a fresh new element into the situation. And Jesus and Paul, they use this new covenant, and they talk about that as a point in time. It was a point in time for all the people of faith, all the Jewish folks of that day, they were living under uh, the old covenant until Jesus came into the scene. And when Jesus came into the scene, and when he pronounced that he was the Messiah, he was the Son of God, and that he went to the cross for all of mankind's sins, and he was resurrected on the third day, that brought forth a new relationship. You see, the old covenant was based upon a written document. We can see the story there in Exodus 24, 1 through 8. For Moses took the book of the covenant 
and he read it to the people, and they agreed upon it. On the other hand, the new covenant, uh, it was based on um, life-giving spirit that came from Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. A written document is always something that is external, whereas the work of the Spirit changes the very heart of mankind. A man may obey the written law while all the time he wishes to disobey it, but the Spirit, you see, comes into the heart and it controls us, and we find uh, not only does it uh, control us, but it transforms, it changes our life. A written code can change the law. But only the Spirit, only the Spirit can change human nature. The Old Covenant, uh, it talks about it here in this passage as being a deadly thing because it produced a legal relationship between God and man. In effect, it said, if you wish to maintain your relationship with God, you must keep these laws. It thereby set up a situation in which God was essentially judge and man was essentially a criminal forever in default before the very bar of God's own judgment the old covenant was deadly because it killed certain things it killed off hope there was never any hope that any man was ever going to be able to keep this law completely human nature being what it is it therefore could issue in nothing but frustration for all of mankind because he couldn't keep that law. It killed life. Under it, a man uh, could earn nothing uh, but condemnation. And condemnation, it means death. It killed all strength. It was perfectly able to tell a man what to do, but it could not help him to do it, you see. Now, the new covenant, as we understand that and what Paul is talking about, is quite different. It was a relationship of love. It came into being because God so loved the world. It was a relationship between a father and his sons. Man was no longer the criminal that was in default. You see, it changed a man's life, not imposing a new code of laws on him, but by changing his very heart. Paul is talking about writing the word on our heart. It therefore not only told a man or a woman uh, what to do, but it gave them the power and the strength to do it. With his commandments, it brought power. Now, Paul goes on to contrast those two covenants. The old covenant was born in glory when Moses came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments. We remember that story. Uh, but we see the new covenant is the new relationship that we find in Jesus Christ. That is not a static or a dormant relationship, but our relationship with Jesus Christ is more than just keeping the law. Certainly the law is important, and we don't want to dismiss that. But more important than the law is the relationship that we have with our Heavenly Father. You know, a lot of us have a good relationship with our parents or maybe uh, our kids have a good relationship with us. And we tell them, you do this and you do that. You've got to keep the rules. You need to keep the law. And if you don't, there's going to be some punishment for that. But what is even more blessed as a parent, and you maybe have experienced that or as a grandparent, is when our kids or grandkids are off on their own, because of the relationship that we have, because that we love each other and respect each other so much, 
that we do what is right. And there's a difference. Uh, there's not necessarily the punishment that is a motivating factor, but rather because of the love that we possess in our heart. And that's what Paul is saying in this situation. Uh, because of the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ, it produces pardon and we find life, not death. Now here's, here's the warning. The Jews preferred the old covenant, the law. They were used to that. They could recite that. They could tell you those 612 laws or whatever it was in that day. They rejected the new covenant, the new relationship in Christ. Now the old covenant was not a bad thing, but it was second best to what was best. As a great commentator has put it this way, when the sun has risen, the lamps cease to be of use. And as it has been so uh, well said, that the second best is the worst enemy of the best. We sometimes settle for second best, just keeping the law, Paul is saying, rather than keeping the law, yes, but having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, we find men and women have always tended to cling to the old, even when um, we see something far better that is being offered around us in our life. For so long, on so-called religious grounds, uh, we refused to use chloroform. When Wadsworth and the Romantic poets emerged, criticism said, this will never do. When Wagner began to write his music, people would not have it. Churches all over the world cling to that old and refused anything new. Because a thing was always done, it was right. And because a thing was not done, it was wrong. Do we find ourselves in the day and age in which we are living, doing some of the same thing? Now, some of you, I identify with you. We are not into social media like we should be. But look at some of the positive things that's come out. Because of social media, we're able to record tonight, and we're, you're able to come back and listen to that. We're able to do live stream on Sunday morning. I never imagined us doing that. But we're able to do that because we invited some change, and the change has been good, and we've gotten really good response on some of these things that we've done. And we're, we're grateful, by the way, to Matt uh, Britt again for the good things that he's done and helped us with this. He's, uh, we're going to have to put him on overtime and increase his pay. Uh, Matt has been wonderful in helping us set this up and get it done. But we had to be open for some change. And I encourage you not to reject change just because it's change. One person that says, okay, I'm ready for change, but you go first. Now, we must be willing to listen to God's spirit as we are in a dynamic relationship with him. And when he calls us to step outside of our comfort zone, we need to do that. And God will bless it, and we will be renewed as a result of it. We must be careful not to worship the stages instead of the goal, not to cling to the second best while the best is waiting, not as the Jews did, but to insist that the old ways are right and to refuse the new glories which God is trying to open up to us. You see, our obedience is Jesus Christ. Paul is saying it well. Write it on your heart. It'll change you forevermore. We are in not a static relationship with Jesus Christ just because we've accepted him as our personal Lord and Savior. We don't stay in that place. 
He wants us to grow. He wants us to move. He wants to be innovative in us. He wants us to be creative. He wants us to look for new opportunities to be able to serve him. Are you willing to do that? May God bless you on this night as we open God's word again here to 2 Corinthians 3. It says some powerful stuff. Continue to read through that. I didn't read all those verses, but they're very powerful words to the people of Corinth. But more importantly, to the people today at Roseville Baptist Church and folks who are in other churches and those all around the world uh, who are in relationship with Jesus Christ, are you willing uh, to commit your life to him that you become a living letter for the world to see? We're the greatest advertisement, my friend, uh, for the cause of Jesus Christ. How well are we doing with that? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, go with us. Help us to become more like you, to be formed in your image, to have the same kind of compassion and love and grace that you have, to allow your Holy Spirit to transform us and to get us out of uh, our own little forms that we're in in our boxes. And Lord, help us to realize that you're trying to, to do a new work in us. Bless us, preserve us, and keep us. For it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Good to be with you again, and we'll, we'll do this again uh, next Wednesday, and I hope you can see it, and uh, Matt will be talking about how you can view this, but God bless you as we have met again.